0: Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today is an international evangelist who has ministered in Jamaica, Grenada, Cayman Islands, Trinidad and Tobago, as well as Canada. He is a no-nonsense servant of God whose desire is to spread the word of God wherever he goes with the aim of making a difference in the lives of those he ministers unto. Pastor Jeffrey Myers Welcome to Upward Way.
1: The Lord Jesus bless you, sir. It is a privilege to be a part on this platform in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God bless you, Mr. Walters. To God be the glory and pray that you will continue to do great on your radio station and you will continue to touch life as you have different people to deal with, I believe, day by day or weekly, whatsoever the time slot may be. But it's a privilege and an honor for me, Pastor Myers, to be on this line as a born Jamaican living in Canada now. God be the glory in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. And it's my delight, it's my joy to really have you being interviewed today. I've heard so much good news about you, and I expect, and I hope, and I know that as you share your story, it will be an inspiration to those who listen. I'm asking you at this time just to share your faith journey in terms of telling us how it is that you came to be a Christian.
1: I was born in Spanish town, and my father. Died and leave me and my brother at a tender age. One was five, the other one was four at the time. We did not have no guardian around us. We were living in a into a yard that they would describe as a tenement yard. Tenement yard back home in Jamaica is a yard that have more than one houses inside there. We all use the same latrine toilet, and we all use the same pipe side to wash, beard, etc. My father died and leave me there. And uh, about a month after, his uncle, which is my granduncle, came from Linstead. And he searched and he found where we was and he take us to Linstead. And when we come to Linstead, we start to go to the Rosemount at School. And uh, after a couple of years, when I, you know, start to grow up, we start to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ. We start to hear about God and church. I start to go to church, but I wouldn't describe myself as growing up into a Christian home. Is only one of my granduncle daughter was a Christian at the time. His wife wasn't a Christian at the time. And we were there in a home where we were not a rich family, but you can call it an average family. We could have find what to eat, what to drink, et cetera. But even where sh- shoes is concerned, you know, we were not privy to have that as though some folks would have it. But we he comes up and uh, the Lord uh, turned things around, when I was about 18, 19, they migrate he and his wife, to the United States of America. And that is how, they, how our life turned around. They automatically file for their kids who they leave us with. And we were the younger ones at the time. And they go up and eventually the two of us you now take over that home and they began to renovate the home and become a bigger home and a better home in Jesus' name. But um, for me now, where my journey starts with the Lord Jesus Christ. At that age, I used to meet up on folks who used to encourage me to come to church and to give my life to the Lord Jesus. But I was in gambling. I was gambling racers. I was gambling dominoes. I was gambling uh, um, crown and anchor. And I used to go through the dice, the card pack, cheat card, all different types of gambling. I was a wretched gambler. Find myself mixed up with more than one girlfriend. So, you know, in other words, you could describe him as a womanizer. But God was calling me, my brother. And the listening audience, God was calling me. But you can sit them as a person, as in what way God was calling you. When I go to my bed, I get great dreams. I'm not lying. I get great dreams. I get dreams of the Lord. Talk to me. I get dreams of the Lord. Take me places. I get dreams of the Lord. Lift me up in the mid here. And I preach to people from the mid hear Can you believe that? I don't stand up on the ground. I wasn't drawn a pulpit. I preach from the here. And people used to say, wow, how can this be? How okay, can this guy preach the gospel of Jesus Christ from the here? And some people sometimes would run away. Some will astonish. Some will become amazed. And because of that, I eventually end up going to the Commodore New Testament Church of God. And uh, I used to play soccer. I used to be very good at soccer playing at the Rosemont football field over there. And I used to get a lot of discouragement and, you know I mean, sometimes mistreated by the players because I could run well. I could play soccer very well. So I was a skillful, rounded guy. And eventually... I was heartbroken by those guys. They tried to demoralize me. They tried to mistreat me and talk down to me until eventually I just end up going to the church and the presence of the Lord come upon me more than once. And I came home one night crying and uh, my granduncle and his wife was there at that time. And I start to worship the Lord and shout, hallelujah. And the presence of God seems as if it illuminates an impact in the house so much so that the two of them run in and said to me, Jeff, what is wrong with you? And I said, the Lord Jesus Christ is dealing with me. And because of that, they were amazed. And they said to me, boy, don't stop. Continue, boy, continue. And from that, I get water baptized. For me now to become convicted, to move to conversion, it wasn't nobody preached to me. God has dealt with me on his own merit. I get the great dreams. I see great and mighty things. And that... Push me to go to Jesus Christ. Plus, when I start to hear the preaching of the gospel, the songs that they will sing in church, and those who will motivate you and encourage you, all of that ties in. But the greatest of them all is Jesus Christ, who have, have given me that encounters in my dreams, so much so that I could not resist but surrender my life to Jesus Christ.
0: Praise the Lord. I just want to piggyback on something you mentioned. So you said you were about four or six, both you and your, or your sibling. I didn't hear you made mention of your mom. Was it that both parents had died or was it only just your father?
1: Very good question. My mom and dad did have an altercation when I was about two years of age. What, what is about perfectly, I cannot say on this line because I don't know. I was about, about two, but I remember my father take me and my brother give us strict instruction he said to me said, listen me carefully now as long as i live don't go to your mom and even if i die don't go to your mom because she don't behave as a good woman i remember my father was saying that so when he died we did not have no concept or a notion of where our mother was we know that i was living in drobley and in spanish Town at the time our mom was living somewhere in spanish Town because my father lived Geisel area and come to Spanish Town. So that is, that is how we meet my mom. So where she was living at the time, I don't know. And can I say this to you? I did not um, get a chance to meet my mom until when I was 15 years of age. Yeah. Somebody bring, somebody bring her to us in Linstead and that is the first time we have an encounter with her. And we go to Spanish Town and meet her and meet my grandmother and my biggest sister who is still alive and my mom is about 85 years of age, still alive in Spanish Town. My grandmother died. And that is why we have that encounter. And, and can I say this to you in extension? I did not get an encounter with my mom until 15 more years when I was 30. Come on. That time I'm well in the church. I'm well in the church at that time, doing a lot of stuff to God be, be the glory, sir.
0: Amen. Quite an interesting scenario you painted. So you could say for, for the first 10 years of you being conscious, you did yes, so much the whereabouts of your mom. You, you really covered quite a bit in the opening, as you recounted your walk, you know, your experience to Christ. And I did yes. mention you had great dreams, the sermons and songs. So just for, you know, a young person listening who may, who may be thinking that, you know, giving the heart to Christ when you are young, is foolish. What would you say to this young man, this young
1: woman? I would say to them that giving your heart to Christ it is not foolish as some perceive. It is not foolish as some would say. It is not foolish as some will come to um, appreciate that phrase or that saying that it is foolish. No. Why it is not foolish? The Bible says, young man, I write unto you because you are strong. In other words, God is calling you from your teenager. In the book of Ecclesiastic, chapter 12, the Bible says, young man, remember now thy creator. In the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not nigh, when I will say I will have no pleasure in them. God love when we can come to him as a young man. You, if you want to say fragile, if you want to say a little bit insecure, you know what I mean? A, a, level, a certain level of immaturity it will be dear. And we have a certain level of, you know, high level of insignificance. Oh, yes, will be there, And the vulnerabilities will be there but god is so perfect my brother and the listening audience that god is a young boy's keeper he's a young woman keeper and he's also the keeper of the middle class the elderly folks if you want to look look at it from a monetary perspective the rich the poor and even the middle class the reason why i say that because there is no partiality with god he's the same yesterday today and forever and many of our young people some of them have a misconception where God is concerned, as if God is only out for the church of Jesus Christ, the people who love God and serve God. But so long as you're a human being in this earth, whatsoever nation, color, creed, our nationality, our ethnic background, our customs, our tradition, God love you, period, God love you. And just one verse of scripture I will use from Romans to justify what I'm saying. Paul said, God commended his love towards us. Underline that U.S. Come on now. In that while, we were yet sinners. Look at that. Not righteous enough. In that while, we were yet sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. So that's why I stress on it and say, even those who are outside of the church, God love you. St. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, Whatever tradition I say before customs nationality whatsoever black man Chinese man Korean Syrian Japanese Filipino whatsoever Indian those who are from Bangladesh those who are from Pakistan whatsoever you come from on the continent of Africa Senegal Ivory Coast Togo um, Somalia Nigeria Ghana whatsoever in the Caribbean Saint Kitts St. Christ Saint Lucia Antigua Barbuda Jamaica where you're from God loves us and God is here for our young people young people who are listening, I want you to know that God loves all of us individually, individually. Come on now. Whether you can walk properly or you have a disorder, a dysfunction in the body, maybe you're a paralytic. Come on. Maybe you um, you, you cannot see out of your eyes, you know, with a person maybe deaf, cannot hear. Whatsoever ailment or complication you have, God still loves you. And he will keep us especially when we strive for righteousness and to serve the Lord and to get into the church and be a part of the church of Jesus Christ as a random, committed Christian walking worthy of the vocation with which we have been called to walk. So God love us all, my brother, Minister Walters. And that is my few words there for now in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. And I love the way you emphasize Romans chapter 5, believe verse 8, that While we were yet sinners, so it was when we were perfect and we were holy, God died for us. And it speaks abundantly of his love for us. Now, this question might seem a little bit strange, but what would you consider to be the easiest and also on the flip side, the most difficult thing about being a Christian?
1: The easiest thing about being a Christian so when you when you are in the when the spirit is inside of you using you to do great exploits in the church, when the spirit is using you to sing, to teach, to preach, to bring an exaltation, or uh, to do any form of duties of the church religiously from the church of God standpoint, that is one of the easiest part. When you can be anointed by God to go out and pray for the sick, pray for those in the team, who's in the age room. Pray for those who is maybe on the street side because you have having um, a walk on the street with a portion of um, Christian folk and we call ourselves youth for Christ. Youth for Christ in those days. We used to go out and minister to young people. That is very good and very nice because you know that the presence of God is there. So you're not really underneath, no pressure. You're having a good time and all is well. And uh, you're just flowing in the spirit, irrespective of the obstacles and the problems that may come and confront you. You already pray before you leave that base or that place where you guys located. We have a prayer, just as though you would have a prayer to start off this program. We have a prayer. So because of that, now we go in the fullness of God, believing and knowing and trusting that no obstacles will come in front of us. No demons and devils will stop us. And whatsoever problems seem to arise, it won't detour us. Because we have that governing, driving force and protection of God. So because of that, we flow randomly and committedly. And the Spirit of God is upon us. And the anointing is carrying us with the Spirit of the living God also. Then now, the the other part of the question now is that the hardest part of it is when you meet upon challenges. Come on. When you meet upon challenges. And I said before, some of these challenges can be a young lady want to get with you as a man. A young man want to get with you as a woman. And it's possible these, these folks, they look good, dress good, smell good, even have good profession, drive good cars, and have good education, etc. You know what I mean? And these people are, are people in society with great potentials. You know what I mean? And these people truly want to get with you. That is going to be a challenge. Especially if you are not married, it is going to be a challenge. Even if you are married and this person wants to come into your marriage to cause some problem there, which the Bible told us in mean, the book of Genesis that whosoever God put together, let no man put asunder. It still can be a challenging part for you. You know what I mean? And we know that the challenge is come in various aspects of life. It can be a challenge for you also when everyone in your house literally turn from you and you are the only one standing there for Jesus Christ and the rest of them see you in our light whereof you are overrighteous. Come on now, you are so overrighteous. We cannot um, contend with you anymore. We don't want to be with you anymore. And because of that, it seems as if we have a division in the house. But you have to understand from the word of God that Jesus said five shall be in the house and three against two. Three shall be in the house and two against one. Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, Mr. Walters, but I came to send a sword. And because of that sword, which is the word of the living God. It is going to cause problem in the house because those who used to have their boyfriend and girlfriend, because, you know, bringing the statues and the precepts and the commandments of Christ, they don't want to hear that because they don't want to change from their derogative lifestyle. They want to maintain their derogative lifestyle. So because of that, now, Proverbs told us that when you correct, as a righteous person in that house, correct the transgressor, he saw you as somebody transgressing against him and that which he's doing. So, because of that, it's going to be very hard for you there. And sometimes you may feel like Joseph. If you look at the story of Joseph in Genesis, you will see, where, even from Genesis 42, you will see where Joseph come under pressure because his brothers, yes, know of God, learn of God, but Joseph was really walking with God. And so much so that God even gave Joseph dreams and vision. But guess what? His brothers were against him so much so that if his father do something great, but um, to the brothers, it is something that causes more jealousy when he built him that coat of many colors. Come on, my brother. It caused more jealousy. So the Bible said he went out one day to his brothers, bringing their lunch. And them say, guess what? This is a dreamer who dreams the 11 stars bowed unto him and the sun and the moon. And because of that, let us kill him. And Reuben, the bigger brother, said not so. And eventually they improvise and put him into the dungeon. And when they put him into the dungeon, they go home. And some of the brothers come back early in the morning to kill him. But Reuben came on time. I said, not so. We're not going to kill our brother. Sell him to the Ishmaelites. And he was sold to the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites sold him to Potiphar in Egypt. And Joseph, you know the rest of the story. I don't have to go through the rest of it. But he ended up in prison because Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph. And Joseph did, did have to stand up and does that exercise his sexuality. He refused it. And because of that, the woman built up a scheme against the young man. Get a hold of the young man's court. And use it as an alibi, as a prime motive against a young man. And because of that, Mr. Potiphar put Joseph in prison at 17 years of age. Joseph comes out when he was 30 years of age. 17 and 13, you get 30. So the young man spent 13 years in prison just because of his brother's jealousy. So that can be a hard task for you as a Christian when you are in the home and the family turn against you and deem you as an over-righteous person that they cannot compete with or they cannot deal with just because of the righteous way of the Lord Jesus Christ, sir.
0: Amen. You have answered in such a powerful way. And, you know, you have brought out something that sometimes as Christians, we don't often think about. Though our faith sometimes delivers us, it is the same faith that causes us to experience hardship because we have to withstand the wiles of the devil. But the scripture also says, blessed are you and men shall revile you and persecute you. You know, great is your reward in heaven. And so the Bible says, rejoice. For what would have been maybe one of the greatest challenge or challenges you had to deal with? And then what would have been the strategy that you'd have used to overcome?
1: Uh, there's so much, as you have um, opened it up, there's so much, but I will start with this one. I, more than one young lady, I, I have to, if you want to use the word ditch or uh, retreat from these young ladies. And uh, at first, it seemed well, it seems all right. When I open my mouth and say yes to meet with her at a particular place, at a certain location. It seemed well and it seems all right. The good thing about it, it was supposed to take place the other day or two days after. And because of that, the Lord Jesus Christ began to deal with my heart. He began to deal with me from a spiritual perspective and let me know that what I'm about to embark upon is wrong. You ought not to do that. That is going to cause enmity between God and me and my Christian walk. It is not going to bring the sufficient grace, but it's going to fall, cause me to fall into sin. And God said, I don't like sin because the wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So because of that, I end up have to take another route and go somewhere else. And days after, when I saw that young lady, she came to me and said, guess what? We did have a meeting and you did not turn up. You're chicken out. I did not know that you're a chicken or a wimp. I have to stand up and say, not so. But something comes up and I did not describe perfectly what comes up. Because if I was to describe, I would say the Lord Jesus Christ comes up and and the tugging of the spirit on my heart caused me to turn and go somewhere else. I don't know. Maybe some conviction was up on her. She did not even question me, you know, perfectly what transpired, what happened. And I escaped. Out of that. Also, see, we're in the church. Brothers comes up. Um, this is going to be a tough one also where, where brothers comes up against me because of my giftings and talent in Christ. A lot of guys comes up against me, even women, because I quickly learn the things of God. Quickly. You know what I mean? When I was in the church, I am going for five years, literally start to preach. And, and I have a memory, like I have a photographic memory so much so that when I go to Bible studies on Wednesday night and when I go on my way home, whosoever I meet up on the street side, I could preach back everything to them. And if they don't want to take it, I start to cry. I have that zeal so much upon me. I was zealous of the things of God. You know what I mean? Just like when Elijah run from, from Jezebel. And then when, he, when God confronted him, Elijah said, God, because I'm zealous of the things of God. And, you know what I mean, and because they, there's no other prophet leaving Israel and things get taxeter with God. And he started to tell God, all the, but God said, listen, I have 7,000 prophets that did not bow their knees not Elijah. But anyway, back to what I'm saying. So because of that now, some guys began to talk in the church against me as if I'm, I'm too righteous, I'm too holy, as if I am, you know, I'm more a preacher than them and all type of jealousy comes up against me. So what I have to do now, I have to retreat somewhat from that high level of zeal that I have and kind of bring down myself to a level where I can interact with them and does that even try to superimpose nothing. Even when we go to prayer meeting, I will pray underneath the anointing of God. And sometimes even when they finish praying, I'm still praying and it used to cause a problem. So because of that, I find myself reduced down somewhat just to let peace reign among us because Paul said, if it is possible, live peaceable with all men. So I understand that the Christian arena is not a competition, it's a participation. But sad to say, Mr. Walters, many people in the church are competing with their giftings. Come on. Because I have the gift of interpretation of tongues, I believe that the one who have the gift of tongues, I am more powerful than he or she. Why? Because I am the one who have the gift of interpretation of tongues, and they only have the gift of tongues. Then you have a next set, because I have the gift of word of wisdom, word of knowledge, And they only have the gift of prophecy. I am more powerful than them. But it ought not to be so. God did not give us the gift of the Spirit to compete against one another. God gave us the gift of the Spirit to perfect. Paul said to perfect the body of Christ. It is there in Ephesians chapter 4 also. God speak of that. Not only fivefold ministry talk about in Ephesians chapter 4. And that God has ascended an eye and caused us to be seated with him in heavenly places. Far above principalities and powers and gave us gift. No, we need to understand these things. And sometimes these things cause problem in church. I have known a young lady who leave the choir, backslide from the church. Why? Because her giftings, she can sing better than all of them. And the lead singer of a main friend on the choir that she want to lead a certain song. And because of that, they keep on doing it over and over until she retreat and backslide from the church and walk away from the church. So there are things that will happen. And when that happens, what she needs to do If she did have some strong people among her or tell it to some folk in the church who are strong in the Lord, I believe they would encourage her to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole arm of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So because of that, now, many of us, when this warfare came up against us, we don't know the word enough to apply the word. So because of that, many people backslide, many people retreat, and I know folk who don't sing in the choir anymore. No, they don't sing on the choir anymore. Because they fail to utilize the antidote, which is the word of God, to keep them from falling and to present them faultless before the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless you, Sir Walters.
0: Wow. I mean, you have said it, but just in case the listeners, you know, the listenership would have missed it. Your antidote, your strategy for overcoming is all based in the word of God. When we think about the athletes who want to be strong, They go to the gym, they lift weight, you know, they train, they practice, they shrug themselves mentally. And that's That's what I did. And it's all based on the word of God. Another point that I saw coming out is that sometimes we we think that the, the challenges we face will be from external sources. But you have outlined that even among the body of Christ, there is challenges. And so we have to really keep our minds on the prize you outlined an example of, you know, a young lady who might be discouraged. What would yes. your advice to persons who find themselves feeling discouraged, you know, within the church, within the body of Christ, they are facing discouragement. What is one piece of advice? I know you have given some already. What is one piece of advice that you give to this young man, this young lady, this old man, this old lady, who, whatever age group for them to know that discouragement may come, but you can remain Anchored in Christ.
1: I would say to them right now, um, Minister Walters, that discouragement is a part of the Christian growth. It is like an antidote that one has to take, or has to go through, or has to have an encounter with. So, links your name in the name of Jesus Christ and walk in worthy of the vocation with which you have been called to walk. So many times, discouragement. Look at Paul, the apostle. Paul of huge discouragement, as I say. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul found out that there's false brethren among us. Look at that carefully. False brethren among us. So I will say to that young man, young woman, elderly of the church, sir, ma'am, you got to stand up in the midst of adversity and be accounted for. Dear to be a Daniel and dare to stand alone. There's something here about the Christian party I want, I want to bring back to your memory. That when God saved you, he did not save you and your family. He did not save you and your husband. He saved you individually. So it's an individual walk and an individual call. And you have to tour the line and walk worthy of the vocation where which you have been called to walk. Paul says, see then that he walk circumspectly, not as fools. Come on now, but as wise. Redeeming the times. Why? For the days are evil. And this evil is spread abroad into the very church. That we are going, my brother. Because as I said to you before, people are in competition with their giftings in the church. And some of these things now, it causes discouragement upon the people of God. So church of God, individually, you have to look into yourself. Paul said, let every man work out their own salvation with fear and trembling unto the Lord. Knowing that Jesus Christ holds you accountable for your personal Christian walk. Because if you messed up because of others and that day of judgment or the day of reckoning or the final day, you cannot tell Jesus is because of Tom, Dick, or Harry, Patsy, or Susie. Why you did not fulfill the promise and the call of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I will urge you who are listening to me this morning, get up, come on, out of your pity party. Get up out of fear and doubt. Stop looking for people to sorry for you. Come on, there's an arch enemy. There's a wicked devil that set out to detour us from the Christian pathway and to bring us into limbo and cause us not to see the face of Christ. Come on, man. Get up. Stand up. Be accounted for. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Fear not, church of God. Fear not, people of God. I know it can be embarrassing. I know it can be hurting. I know it can be heart-rending when people who you love and thought that would have been with you and would have been your brother. Just like when David said, if it was an enemy, I could have bore it. But it's those who I take sweet counsel with. In other words, those who I eat and drink with, they become my adversary. They start to tell lie on me and me and do me all manner of evil. What you got to do, you got to hold on to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just take it a step further. In First, First Samuel chapter 30, the Bible said David came back to Ziklag, he and his soldiers. And when he came back, Ziklag burned. They take away Abigail and the other wife and the rest and the midwife and the children and leave the men. And the Bible said the men wept and cried until they have no more vice. But the Bible also said they gather stones to stone David. But the Bible said David encouraged himself in the Lord in the church. Look at that. How many of us would stand up and say and more than 100 men gather stones Come on, not to stone you. And you have to encourage yourself in the Lord. Come on, church. We need to encourage ourselves when the brother hurts you, when the sister hurt you. Don't trust into people more than you trust into God. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. But in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Trust not in oppression. You dare not trust your own, for the arms of flesh will fail you. Come on now, be encouraged. In spite of the discouragement, be encouraged. God never feel you yet. Yes, men feel, but God never fail. Yes, your close associate feel, your wife feel, your husband feel, children feel, brothers and sisters feel, but Jesus never feel you yet. So hold strong in the Lord. Paul said, eyes haven't seen, nor ear heard, neither have it entered into the hearts of men. The things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Hold on to the Lord Jesus Christ, people of God, and it shall be well in the midst of adversity and your discouragement in Jesus' mighty name. Shalom for now.
0: Words of wisdom. They say a word to the wise is sufficient. Persons will listen to you speaking Pastor a and they will say, the reason you are saying this is because you have never experienced doubt along your journey. So I would just give you an opportunity at this time, just to speak to a moment that you have experienced doubt, so that the listeners could understand that yes, though you are strong, you have experienced doubt, but there's a context. You know, there's a way in which you have handled your own doubts, your own insecurities.
1: That's true. Just me, I have you know so many encounters with doubt at times. If it wasn't for the word of God, I'm not lying because. God, let me say this to the the listening audience and and you, Mr. Walters. I'm a radical believer. I believe God 100%. And that's why sometimes when God does not come true for me, it really hurt me. I'm not lying. It really hurt me, Mr. Walters and the rest of the listening audience. It hurt me to the core of my soul because I am a stern believer. And I believe that when I pray to the Lord Jesus Christ, whatsoever I pray, it's supposed to happen. I have that concept that it's supposed to happen. But what I learned over the years that God is no man debtor and no man can tame in the spirit of God. Neither no man can control God. So what I learned also that God does things according to his own merit. Is the undisputed champion. He's God all by himself and is not obligated to nobody. He's not obligated to nobody. So irrespective of our Christian walk. That we may justify ourselves and say, Hey, guess what? Guess what, Mr. Walters? I'm walking worthy because I'm not an adulterer, I'm not a fornicator, I'm not a murderer, I'm not a thief, I'm not a liar. You know what I mean? I don't sell drugs. You know what I mean? I'm not an instigator of crime. You know what I mean? I'm a law-abiding citizen. We start to analyze these things and put these things together. We say we come to God and say, Yes, God, I am perfected. No, no, no. You're not perfected. Paul said we are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. know you have none of yourself. Paul said, Our righteousness is like filthy rugs. In Bible college, they told us, they give us a definition of the filthy rug, which they are talking about a woman. And I always want to do it in a simple form that, you know, nobody will get upset, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Walters. But they are talking about a woman after she finished with her men's stuff. That is how our righteousness is. And I will stop there. After a woman finished with that stuff and about to dispose of it, that is all our righteousness is. So we cannot use that to justify our position with God. But God' grace will give us what we want. His grace is sufficient. I'm not lying. Oftentimes I reach a point where I become discouraged. And I say to myself, God, why you don't answer me? And sometimes I, I just get up and go watch some tennis on the TV or some, some soccer. I'll go, I'll go watch some basketball. Take my mind off that which I want so much from God. And by the time I am there, something comes to my mind from the Spirit of God. And I feel that enthusiasm again. I feel encouraged. And I start to, you know what I mean, give God the praise and give God the glory. It is a complex challenge. It's a complex one in life. You know what I mean? You will get discouraged, you know, because of how oh, people treat you. You will get discouraged because of, oh, you expect God to angle sit angle your situations. And oh, you expect God to deal with you. And what you expect God to bless you with. Oh, you expect God to heal you. Look at somebody who has cancer. Look at somebody who has fibroids or somebody who has glaucoma in the eyes, or somebody who's partially blind, but the person is a young person, and you keep on praying, and you're living worthy and walking, worthy of the vocation. You know you're not doing no form of you know, hypocrisy according to your own analyzation, according to your own analyzation of yourself. But sometimes there's something there hindering you from getting the blessing of God. That's why God won't answer you. So come on, I encourage the people of God today in the midst of your discouragement, you know what I mean, and feeling insecure. We still ask to be strong in the Lord, knowing that this God is real and he never feels us yet. Even although he may not answer that prayer, answer that petition that you petition him, that does not say he's not God because God is not God according to what he gives you, but he's just God all by himself without your consent. Before you get here in the land of the living, he was God all by himself. Before the earth came into form and void, he was God all by himself. Before he stepped out of eternity and formed time and identified with time, he was God all by himself. So you have to just encourage yourself in the Lord and be strong in the Lord according to the word of the living God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, Sir Walters. A
0: song came to mind as I listened to you sharing. The title of the song is You Are God Alone. Just by reflecting on that song, you know, I would encourage my listeners to find you know, that song and listen to it. But as you said, we cannot control God or desires. If they are not wrapped, if they are not tangled, if they are not in line with God's desires, then he's going to say no. He may say wait, or he may say continue in prayer. Good answer. The discussion has become pretty exciting, and we have to pause here. But rejoin us next week, or do tune in again next week, as we'll have part two of our discussion with Pastor Jeffrey Myers. You can subscribe to weekly episodes on Apple, Spotify, or Listen Notes, or hop on over to the Play Store and download the AWR app. Until then, I'm Marlon Walter saying goodbye. May God bless you. You've been listening to the Upward Way podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.